Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. The DU Expo is going on this weekend in Texas. Learn more at duckexpo.com. By the Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association, castlerock-petenwell.com. And by Woodside Ranch Resort and Conference Center, woodsideranch.com. I'm Dan Small. Today we'll get a Lake Michigan fishing report from Dumper Dan Welsh. The Rough Grouse Society's John Steigerwald reports on the impact of that spring snowstorm we had on migrating woodcock. And guest host Rob Driesline talks with John Calusi of Ducks Unlimited about a survey of mallard populations across the Great Lakes. All that and more coming up on Outdoors Radio, so stay right there. It's time now for Madison Outdoors, and you hear this feature every week at this time on WTSO, the Big 1070, and anytime at all on our podcast on LakeLink, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcasts, including OutdoorNews.com. Joining us once again is Pat Hasberg. He's proprietor of DNS Bait Tackle and Fly Shop on North Port Drive in Madison. His website is dsbait.com. And you can find him on Facebook at DNS Bait Tackle and Fly Shop, where he posts a weekly fishing report every Friday morning, along with specials and all kinds of things going on at the store. Pat, welcome back. And it is opening weekend. I imagine you're going to be pretty busy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, busy busy maybe not might not even be the word it is a zoo around here for opening weekend and obviously that's a good thing from a business standpoint and it's great to see folks getting out and enjoying the wonderful resources we have here in the madison area for fishing it's a great time of year so we're super excited to have opening day upon us yeah well what do things look like well we yeah we've really had quite the roller coaster of weather uh, you know we had those 80 degrees a couple weeks ago and then it's been actually pretty seasonal the last couple weeks Water temperatures around town are hovering in the high 40s, low 50s. Panfish action's been good. Bass action's been good for the early season bass. As far as the opener goes, I would look for walleyes to be up shallow still. You know, the bass guys that are out there fishing bass are actually complaining to me about catching too many walleyes, which is kind of a funny thing to hear. Nice problem, yeah. There's pike in every lake on the chain, and they're numerous and hungry this time of year. You know, and like I said, panfish are in shallow areas. A lot of your back bays that warm up in protected areas are full of panfish right now. So really, it's a great time to be out on the water. Well, good. Are the landings in good shape? Last time we talked, the docks were going in, and I imagine they're all in now, and things are looking good? Yep. All the launches around town, and the city launches, county launches, state park launches, all of them are in, and ready for the hordes that are going to come through this this coming weekend. Well, what advice do you have? Now, some people will hear this before Saturday. Some will listen Saturday morning. Some will be in line to launch their boats with the radio on, I would imagine. What advice have you got for just launching for for starters on opening weekend? Well, be patient. Maybe a lot of folks first time backing their boat in several months, so there's bound to be some hiccups. It's just a good time uh, for folks to get out. And, uh, and, yeah, if you're patient at the launches, Give everybody else a lot of space. You can get out on the water, and everybody can have a good time. All right. Well, you mentioned action on the lakes. How about trout fishing? The rivers have got to be in pretty good shape, I would think. They are. We've had seasonal temps lately and not a ton of rain, at least down here in the Madison area. So streams have been flowing nice and clear, nice and stable temperature-wise. Fish have been looking up. I was actually out Saturday with my son. And despite the cold and rainy and kind of spitting rain, we still found fish rising to caddis and did very well. Um, lots of active fish, and that's been really the theme that I've heard from a lot of folks coming through the shop is, you know, if it's not caddis, it's blue-winged olives. I've heard about crane flies, and one surprise to me was uh, a guy came in and had been catching fish on beetle patterns. Uh, usually beetle patterns are something you hear about later in the summer. Yeah. Uh, but he, he was throwing on beetles, and he got actually a few nice fish and, and several fish. So it just kind of goes to show that those fish this time of year, they're just hungry and they're looking up, and if they see something that looks buggy and looks like something they'd eat, they'll grab it. Yeah. It's a great time of year to be out trout fishing. And speaking of trout, how was your TU fundraiser, uh, it was on Earth Day, if I recall. That's right. It was fantastic. We 
headed at the Eastside Club down on the north end of Lake Monona. The event actually sold out the night before, so we had a packed house full of folks. We wound up raising $15,000 for our local chapter, which is a, a record for our club. It was just really great to see the trout fishing community come together and all the support for all the great work that Southern Wisconsin Trout Unlimited does is, is really heartening. Oh, that's excellent. Now, the Wisconsin River is, I would imagine, still running high. It can't be as high as the Mississippi, though. Yeah, it's not as high as the Mississippi, and and actually it came down pretty quickly. In just a few days, early last week, it was high, still running at about 30,000 CFS, where normally this time of year it's about 15. Mm -hmm. So it was running at 30,000 on Monday, but by Thursday it had come down to about 11,000. So oh, nice. it dropped pretty quickly in just a few days, and folks are getting back out there and still finding lots of hungry post-spawn walleyes out there. The white bass are really active, and it's really nice to see the river become fishable again because it was not looking good there for the last few weeks. Yeah. What do you hear from Lake Wisconsin? Uh, you know, Lake Wisconsin's been a little quiet from the reports I hear anyway. Good numbers of walleye on kind of the northeast end of the lake where the river comes in there, but a lot of short fish, talking walleyes there. Otherwise, panfish have been pretty active at Wayland's Grade and in the Fingers near Harmony Grove. They've been getting some good panfish there. But other than that, it's uh, been a little quiet from okay. the reports I get anyway. Now, your seminar series is pretty much over. Some people will listen to our podcast on Thursday if we get it posted on time. And if they catch this week's show early, they can get to Noah Humfeld's seminar Thursday night. What's he going to talk about? Noah's going to be talking about opening day strategies. So he'll be talking about, you know, a lot of the things we've been talking about here, uh, what to expect at the launches, what the fish might be biting on, what might work for targeting different species. Noah is a very talented guide, and the nice thing about him is not only is he knowledgeable, he's very entertaining. It's funny and uh, really keeps the crowd entertained, and he's actually a new dad. So he, he recently became a, a father a, a little over a week ago, so... Hopefully he's not too much of a zombie for his presentation, uh, getting some sleep. He always draws a great crowd and is really a, a great speaker. Oh, nice, nice. How were the other seminars? Oh, great, yeah. Austin Rogowski spoke about running hair jigs and flies for walleyes, and that was very informative. That's a topic not a lot of folks know a lot about, at least in this part of the state. It's really nice to hear from an expert on that. And then, of course, Ron Bearfield, who I know you know, yep. was in talking about kind of outside-the-box tactics on the Wisconsin River. So basically, you know, using bass fishing tactics, fishing for walleyes. He even talked about fly fishing some for pike and bass on, on the Wisconsin River. And I think he said he's been guiding 32 years, so it's very knowledgeable. I don't think anybody knows the lower Wisconsin River better than Ron. He really uh, great, gave out some great tips to folks uh, looking to get out on the river and around the Madison chain, too. I have fished with him several times on the river, including fly fishing for bass and muskies, and uh, I need to get back out there with him maybe this year before he and I both hang it up. I don't see that happening in the uh, in the near future anyway. Well, turkey season is upon us too, and uh, you, you mentioned you had a permit for first period, but no luck. Um, any hope of getting out again? I do have a bonus tag for third season. Hopefully I'll be... Able to sneak out. The other problem is when you own a bait shop and you got opening weekend of fishing season right around the corner, there's a lot to do here. So hopefully I can sneak away and give it one last try because, yeah, I struck out for my first season. But that's all right. That's turkey hunting for you. It is. Well, good luck to you, and uh, I hope you get a lot of business and manage to get through the weekend, opening weekend, without losing your sanity, I guess is one, one way to put it. Thanks. Oh, we'll be just fine down here. All right. Well, thanks so much for the report, and we will catch up with you again. Thanks so much, Dan. Always a pleasure. You bet. Pat Hasberg with the Madison Report. His website, again, is dsbait.com. You can find him on Northport Drive on the northeast side of Madison, and he's on Facebook, and you can follow his fishing report posted every Friday on Facebook at DNS Bait, Tackle, and Fly Shop. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. 
Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Castle Rock and Petenwell are two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes. With more than 60 square miles of water, they offer four seasons of outdoor fun. Halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago, and just minutes from Wisconsin Rapids and the Dells, you'll enjoy family-friendly resorts and campgrounds, great fishing, bike trails, county, state, and national parks, and the Nesita National Wildlife Refuge. Learn more at castlerock-petenwell.com or on Facebook at Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association. Are you looking for that perfect Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 plus miles of beautiful ATV UTV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to explore, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to exploreflorencecounty.com and plan your trip today. If you're ever in a motor vehicle accident, call Hupe and Abraham, named Best Personal Injury Law Firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. In fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. Call the firm voted best and rated best, Hupe and Abraham, 800-800-5678 or visit hupe.com. And all 11 offices of Hupe and Abraham in Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois are open for business. And the firm of Hupe and Abraham has paid thousands of dollars in rewards to help solve crimes in the Milwaukee area. Michael Hupe is the president of Milwaukee Crime Stoppers, and right now he's offering a $25,000 reward for the next anonymous tip that solves a homicide case. So if you've got a tip on an unsolved homicide case, Visit MilwaukeeCrimestoppers.com. Hey, it's opening weekend of the inland fishing season. I hope you're out on the water or about to go. I'll be fishing the governor's fishing opener myself with Mark LaBarbera up in the Phillips chain in Price County. And uh, until about a week ago, I wasn't sure the ice would be out. <laughs> Jeff, are you, you've got a tournament this weekend. Jeff Kelm is joining me again from Wisconsin Rapids. you got a yeah, big tournament this we- weekend. Yeah, we've got a Masters Walleye Circuit tournament on, uh, Petenwell Lake in, uh, Arkdale. We'll call it Arkdale. It's, you know, it's between Nakusa and, uh, and, uh, we'll call it Rome, uh, you know, somewhere in there. Yeah, um, I know where that is. But, uh, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we've got 45 teams, or 43 teams rather, that are, uh, battling it out on Petenwell. And, um, you know, it should be fun. Petenwell's a challenge because of the, Slot limit. The, the, there's so many fish out there, but the the slot limit that's out there makes it uh, a challenge for these uh, these weigh-in type tournaments. But um, there are a lot of teams uh, that are catching fish and they are having a good time. The white bass run is incredible right now, and so uh, they are certainly keeping their hands wet catching fish. <laughs> so you got to get your bait down below the white bass because they typically ride higher in the column than uh, walleyes, but not always. Yeah, they, they do. Uh, really what they're finding is that if they're catching white bass, they're not in the right place for the walleyes they want. Uh-huh. So, uh, the, so they're, they're making some runs back and forth. It's been interesting to see. And they've been battling the, the wind and weather throughout the, the week with, uh, some strong, strong north winds, uh, for a good portion of the early week and, uh, kind of disallowing them the opportunity to get out onto the lake itself. They've spent a lot of time rolling around in the river, but, uh, Last few days uh, before the tournament, they were able to get out and explore the lake itself and and see if they can establish a game plan for this weekend. Have you got a good turnout for it? You moved it from Red Wing, Minnesota. Yeah, you know, when we called it, uh, when we had to make the call to relocate the tournament, we were sitting at 37 teams for Red Wing, and we dropped down to 18 um, after doing refunds. And, you know, I don't blame people that lived right in Red Wing that weren't going to travel. Uh, so we did our refunds and stuff like that, and then we're back up to 43. So it was a number of, of local teams that decided to jump in and, uh, give it a shot. And 
I think if we would have given it a year's time to to plan for for people around here um, and uh, to put cash away and all of that, I think we probably would have had uh, probably 60, 70 boats. Uh, and who knows? I may come back here with the tournament in the next few years and and give those folks a, a year to plan. Yeah, yeah. Well, we talked with Jesse Qualley last week, and he said he's planning to fish it, and he knows the lake and that whole system better than just about anybody, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he had some advice. I don't know if your competitors pay any attention to what he had to say, but um, <laughs> yeah, I would put my money on him or some other locals there. Um, there's a couple other guys I have fished with in that area. So, well, it sounds like you should have at least decent weather for it. Um, that's good. Did you get out turkey hunting? You know, I got out a little bit. Um, the funny enough, Dan, I have uh, I've just been a bit snake bitten with uh, with turkey hunting at times. I remember going out a number of times at the farm and and uh, have deer spook turkey from me. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I thought, okay, you know, I'm not hunting at the farm. I'm not hunting places where the concentration of deer. You know, I'm hunting a lot of public land. You know, the deer, of course, are, are still on public land, but concentration's not the same. So I went down to some of my turkey spots uh, that I typically would go to, and three of the four spots that I have probably the most confidence in had road active road construction going on in front oh of boy. them. Oh, boy. And so we have construction trucks driving them down. So you don't have birds out in the fields anywhere. You might have them tucked into the woods. Uh, but I, I never put eyes on them. I hardly heard anything. It was real frustrating day one and, uh, day two ended up, uh, uh, I wasn't able to get out the first day of the period. So I went out that Thursday, that Friday, it, it looked like everybody that had a period two turkey tag was in Wood and Adams County and, mm-hmm. uh, they all took off of work for it. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, truck after truck after truck. And so it wasn't a lot of places for me to, to walk around and try to call. Um, did, uh, did put an eye on, on one bird that was down one of these timber lanes and those birds are just so hard to catch up to because the lanes are narrow. They see you. They, they're so used to people walking through some of that t- timber country that uh, they, they're they gone in an instant. So um, I'll wait for a later season. We'll get some other tags for, for later this year, and we'll try again. Yeah, well, good luck when that happens. So it's, that's turkey hunting, as you know. I I was out. Uh, I've got a tag for this period, and no luck yet. But uh, And I'm going to be up at the governor's fishing opener uh, through Sunday. So it looks like a... Monday, Tuesday hunt for me, if possible. You'll hear him gobbling in the boat, I'm sure. No doubt, no doubt. Well, our <laughs> friends at the Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association remind us that next week, May 7 through 13, is National Tourism and Travel Week, called NTTW for short. This is the 40th anniversary of that week, and you and I know how important tourism is to Wisconsin's economy. Your tournament on Petenwell has got to draw a lot of visitors to the area and bring in some money anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, you know, these guys spend, uh, you know, a full week, uh, week and a half in hotels and filling up their fuel tanks and, uh, groceries and, and eating out. And yeah, they, they spend, they spend a good amount of money. Well, speaking of fishing, it's been five years since I took a group to Ballard's Black Island Resort on Lake of the Woods, but I'm going again this year now that Canada has opened back up to American visitors. We'll be going September 11 through 15. We'll spend four nights on Black Island with three full days of guided fishing for walleyes, smallmouths, panfish, northerns, and muskies. And this is a complete package. Guides, boats, bait, tackle, lodging, all meals are included. The lodge serves great breakfasts and dinners, and we'll enjoy some shore lunches of fresh walleyes that the guides prepare. And the trip will be limited to 13 people in all, and it's filling up. My son John and I are going, and you could join us if you can take that time. The cost is $1,500 per person, and that includes everything I mentioned. And I just learned this week that some of the folks from Stormy Cromer are going to be joining us, and they're bringing Stormy Cromer gifts for everybody on the trip. So, Jeff, that's an added bonus. I don't know if you want to think added about bonus. That. Hey, that's <laughs> think a great that's a great family to 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 spend some time with too, and just to hear their stories and stuff like that's pretty cool. 
Yep, I love those folks, and I'm sure we'll be sharing a lot of stories around the, the campfire and at dinner time. So if you're interested, visit blackisland.com to learn more and to reserve a spot. The deadline is May 31st, so don't delay if you're interested. Coming up, John Steigerwald of the Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies talks about the woodcock migration and how they're coping with that crazy spring we've been having, the snow we got just recently. Guest host Rob Dreesline talks with John Colusi of Ducks Unlimited about how mallards are doing in the Great Lakes region. And it's not a real pretty picture, folks. And we'll kick things off with Captain Dumper Dan Welch reporting on his first few days of fishing on Lake Michigan this season. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. We at Remy Battery Company want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the past 90-plus years and your continued support of our local, family-owned company. Stop in and see the expertise of over nine decades of battery knowledge and customer service. Let us take care of the batteries for all of your needs, from power tools to sump pumps and ATVs to hunting decoys, even down to the smallest hearing aids. Big and small, we have them all. Stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road trails, or waters. Don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Attention all anglers, stay ahead of the crowds with the most up-to-date and accurate fishing reports from around the region with OutdoorNews.com. Complete with lake maps and reports, gear reviews, and pro tips, it's the nation's top site for modern anglers. During the month of May, you can get 50% off any membership to OutdoorNews.com and never miss the best fishing info again. Just use the code MAY23 at checkout to instantly up your fishing game. Visit OutdoorNews.com today. Are you looking for that perfect Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 plus miles of beautiful ATV UTV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to explore, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to exploreflorencecounty.com and plan your trip today. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small, and thanks for joining us today. It's time for another Lake Michigan fishing report for the Sheboygan area, sponsored, as always, by Dumper Dan's Sport Fishing Charters, Condos, and Riverfront Store on South Pier Drive in Sheboygan and on the web at DumperDan.com. He has a Facebook page where he posts all kinds of photos and these interviews that we do every other week, and that is Dumper Dan's Sport Fishing Charters. And it's also brought to you this week by by Ranieri's Four-of-A-Kind Pub and Grill, 811 Indiana Avenue in Sheboygan, and on Facebook at Ranieri's Four-of-A-Kind. Well, joining us from Sheboygan once again, where else would we catch him? <laughs> Captain Dan Welsh, <laughs> Dumper Dan himself. Well, how are things going, Dan? Going good, and I am back, Dan. <laughs> yes, you're back. Are you enjoying the spring weather? We're recording this early in the week, and we don't know what the rest of the week looks like yet. <laughs> Yeah, 
it's it's been good overall, Dan. I mean, obviously, you know, April going into May here, it's, you never know what you're going to get. You could get sunshine, you could get high winds, you could get beautiful days, and you could get snow. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't know. <laughs> and we've but, and we've had all of the above. Well, you got your boats in the water. Boats are all in the water. You should see them, Dan. They're gorgeous. They're all shined up. We worked on them over the winter, and uh, we added a lot of things to them, the different kind of electronics, some more tackle, buffed them all, waxed them up. They look sharp. We're ready to roll, you know, and we're just trying to play the weather. Speaking of weather, we just got done with some decent weather. It was actually light winds for about four or five days straight, a little bit overcast, 50 degrees basically for highs, mid-50s, but fishable and nice. Lake was calm, and we did catch some fish. So you got out with your personal boat, right? Yeah, we took the Roballo out a couple times now, fished the harbor, fished up north by the golf course a few times. My first mates and captains, too, they, you know, we kind of pre-fished this, too, you know, on smaller boats, and we go tool around and look for fish and bait fish in warmer water in the springtime as well, besides using the big charter boats. So, yeah, we've been on the water, and we've been kind of looking around for fish and, and what have you, and it, it's been decent. There's been some lake trout around, a few king salmon, some brown trout, we haven't seen cohos yet or, or rainbows, but we are catching some variety of fish already here in April going into May. All right. And if people want to fish off the piers, is there anything going on that close to shore? There is, Dan. That's actually a good question. And I caught fish the other day. I mean, the king, lakers, some browns was right between the pier heads. And the reason why they were in there, there was about a six degree temperature break from the river water to the lake water. And there was a pot of bait fish in there. And there was salmon and trout in that bait fish. So yes, from the north or south break walls here in Sheboygan, because they are near shore and you got to kind of look for warmer water this time of year, which is near shore. What are you trolling or casting if you're doing that this time of year? Well, casting, like guys on the pier, um, they're using like Mr. Champs, Cleos, Crocodiles, some of the newer jigging spoons they use, sometimes chatter alewife off the bottom or on a bobber as far as the jetties or the piers or North Point goes for us. Trolling, mostly spoons, uh, it's been really good. Salmon candy spoons, Pro Kings, Yuck spoons, uh, Stinger spoons, anything with some flash to them, silver back with like a green front, orange, orange green, silver's always been a good go-to. Spring color, a little bit of chartreuse too, but mostly spoons. Not a whole lot on crankbaits yet, Dan, uh, a few, but it's mostly been a spoon by Dipsy's Downriggers or like one or two color of lead core off the planer board. All right. Now, our second sponsor this week is Veneri's Four of a Kind. They're at 811 Indiana Avenue, just a short walk from your dock. I know it is. Yeah, I'm at my store right now, and I can see it from here. So yeah. I look right out the window, and I can see Veneri's Four of a Kind. And what's nice is with all the condo lodging I have down here for our clients that do stay, you know, a couple nights, they can walk over there and don't have to drive. And it's real, real nice. It's real scenic on the boardwalk here in Sheboygan on the river. And um, so it's walking distance over to Ranieri's Four of a Kind. They have a great menu, roasted chicken, steak sandwiches, fish fries. It's very, very good. Pool tables if you want some entertainment, dartboards. So there's things to do over there, you know, too, while you're in Sheboygan. All right. Yeah, and I understand their fish fry is all you can eat Friday nights, which is cool. And they have a trivia night on Wednesday, I think. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, so they got a lot of things going on there. And, you know, busy place, you know, year-round, but you know, more so in the summer, and, and they're open, I believe, just about every day. I didn't quite see the schedule for the summer yet, but they're open quite often and all day long for lunch and for, you know, supper, dinner type things. So yep. check them out, and, you know, they're definitely worth going over there and, and checking out. John does a great place, and his brothers and his, his employees over there to take good care of you. And one other thing I wanted to bring up, Dan, we're adding to our website here currently in the next week or so. Customers have been asking for the six-hour half-day trip again, like we used to run back in the 80s, 90s. So we're going to be offering our half-day five-hour, our half-day six-hour, and then, of course, our three-quarter-day eight-hour trip. So we do have a few more options if people want to fish just a tad bit longer than five hours. All right. Lots of options and six boats, so plenty of opportunity to get out. And I would imagine you've got openings for May because we're just getting started, right? Yeah, May we have openings. We still have some dates open in June. Um, June is, you know, one of our busiest months of the year, but definitely give me a call. A lot of guys are calling for all the months, May, June, July, August, September. But give me a call as soon as you can. Try and, you know, get your plans made ahead of time and, and call me and get it in the books because, as you know, we do we do fill up pretty solid, you know. I mean, we're, June's about 100% full usually 
by the time we get to June. So now is the time to get the May, June, July dates in. My number, 920-377-1147, or like you mentioned, DumperDan.com on the Internet or Facebook page, Dumper Dan Sport Fishing Charters. All right. Well, Dan, thanks so much. Get those boats out there and get some fish, and we will talk to you again in two weeks, if not sooner. You got it. We're looking forward to some fun in the sun, and we'll go up and do some salmon and trout fishing. So we're all eager to go. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. You bet. Dumper Dan Welch with the Lake Michigan Report from Sheboygan, and also brought to you by Ranieri's Four of a Kind. Find them on Facebook at Ranieri's Four of a Kind, and 811 Indiana Avenue in Sheboygan. Dumper Dan's website is DumperDan.com, with links to everything there. I'm Dan Small. You're listening to Outdoors Radio. Listen to more Outdoors Radio online at DanSmallOutdoors.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. We're joined now by guest host Rob Dreesline, host of the Outdoor News Radio program in Minnesota, talking with a guest from Ducks Unlimited. Hey, on the broadcast now, I want to jump into a regional topic that I find extremely fascinating and is very important to listeners in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan, the Upper Gray Lakes region. And that involves what a lot of waterfowl biologists call our bread and butter duck, the mallard. There have been some signs that mallard populations are decreasing across the region. And we're going to talk about that now with someone from Ducks Unlimited. His name is John Calusi, and he's the Director of Conservation Planning for the Great Lakes region. Thanks for joining the broadcast, John. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Rob. Thanks for having me this morning. Yeah, let's talk about mallard populations. Mallard's a bird that I think a lot of us perhaps take for granted because they seem like they're everywhere. They seem like they're fairly ubiquitous. But are there some signs that mallard populations are decreasing, especially in the Great Lakes region? Yes, there are. You know, when you think about mallards, like you said, Rob, they're the most common duck. Most people identify with them in terms of waterfowl. You know, when we talk about the Great Lakes mallard population, we are talking about birds from the five-state area of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio. And and we have seen declines um, from a peak of about 1.2 million ducks way back in 2000. And currently, we're sitting at about just over a half a million breeding pairs. And so that's not real good. Why that's important is because these local birds show up in the, the waterfowler's harvest predominantly, um, so they're a really important source of recreational opportunity for our outdoorsmen. Continentally, uh, according to some data you sent me, mallard populations looked like they decreased in the early 2000s, but then kind of the prairie pothole mallards seemed to bounce back, and yet the Great Lakes mallard populations didn't follow suit. That's correct. There was a large departure. Those two populations used to track each other fairly closely until the early 2000s, and then they started departing. When conditions got wet back on the prairies, mallard populations exploded to 11.8 million, you know, an all-time record high in 2016. And Great Lakes mallards didn't follow suit. They kind of continued on their decline. There are a lot of theories out there as to what's going on with the Great Lakes mallard population. You know, when you think about population dynamics, its births and deaths and emigration and immigration, and the data that we have from banding, didn't really suggest that we were seeing a decline in survival or an increase in mortality, if you will. And we also looked at the parts collection survey and wings. Uh, we can age those and look at age ratios. And so there wasn't a strong signature there with age ratios. So that kind of leaves us with emigration or birds maybe departing the area and going elsewhere. And so there are some theories about, you know, wet cycles in the prairies. Well, were, were birds leaving there? We are seeing mallards anecdotally in more urban environments these days and we can't really survey those areas for safety purposes with helicopters and airplanes so that portion of the population is going unsurveyed so there was some thought about that and then we've got this recent discovery of game farm genes in the great lakes mallard population as well now we don't know how long those genes have been there and we we don't have the science to suggest that that is having an adverse impact on the mallard population but it could be 
This is important because as mallards go, so does the entire duck hunting structure, right? So much of length of seasons, the bag limits, et cetera, is kind of built on mallards, right? It all starts there when, when the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service plots out its seasons. That's correct. And, you know, for the Great Lakes population, those birds are actually included in the mid-continent population and for setting harvest regulations. But yes, as as mallards go in general, yeah, so goes the harvest regulation setting process. So John, to try to drill into what's going on, Ducks Unlimited, as well as Michigan State University, has got a big old telemetry study that started a couple of years ago, correct? Tell us how that's going. Yeah, correct. And in 2021, uh, a partnership of 12 conservation organizations, including Ducks Unlimited um, and Michigan State University is the lead with our PhD student, Ben Lukanen, initiated a three-year telemetry study in an effort to look at the movement ecology of these birds um, over time and space. And and so we're using uh, a fairly new technology. The units are called GPS, GSM, telemetry units. And so we're able to track birds via cell phone technology and uh, program these units to take as many GPS units as the units can can stand in terms of the, the battery size and things like that over time. And also they're fitted with a, an accelerometer, and that's what the ACC stands for, and that tracks acceleration or movement in multi-directions. And so we can get an idea on what these birds are doing across their life cycle. And so we can track these birds all the way up to Wherever they end up, could be the Hudson Bay, could be our backyard here in Michigan, and all the way south, as far south as they go, and back. And so the hope is, with these units, they're solar rechargeable. You know, we're hoping for a life of these of at least two years, um, so we can look at multiple migrations north and south and really learn a lot about these birds. The environments they're using, the habitats they're using, are they showing up in urban environments? Are they in rural environments? Are they coming back to the same place as they were the previous year to nest? Do they winter in the same areas? Do they stage on the same areas? And so we can kind of look at their behavior and their habitat use throughout the life cycle and, and just learn a whole lot about these birds. You got ducks flying around out there. Is it mostly hens or, or is it both sexes that uh, are, running, are flying around with these little solar panels? We focus exclusively on hens. Hens are the most important. They are the productive ones. They're the ones most at risk of um, laying the eggs, sitting on the eggs for 28 days and taking care of the brood. Do these transmitters, I mean, they must be tiny so that the bird doesn't pull it off or isn't bothered by it, doesn't affect the bird? Yeah, manufacturers of these units try to keep these units as light as possible. There's a trade-off between battery, mm-hmm. and that's where the weight is, and, and then also the you know the weight of the unit. And so you want battery life adequate enough, but you don't want something so heavy that it's going to affect the bird's behavior or its ability to migrate. And so these units are about a little over 20 grams, and they ride on the back uh, with a backpack harness. <laughs> we have a number of hunters in, that have encountered these birds, have bagged them, and, and have actually gotten pictures of birds uh, in the taxidermy shop with the units on their backs. <laughs> how, how many birds are being tagged? We'll be marking over 500 hens uh, over the three year. We've already got 435 out, and I think we've got another 100 scheduled to go out uh, this coming spring and this, this uh, summer. It sounds expensive. You got 500 plus ducks flying around with little solar panels on them. You got a grad student working on this. You got a lot of other aspects that drum up the costs on a project like this. Where's the money come from to support this? So we're getting a lot of our funding from public and private sources. We've got, you know, the state of Indiana, the state of Wisconsin, the state of Michigan, the state of Illinois. We've got all of those DNRs or conservation organizations. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is providing funding via the Upper Mississippi Great Lakes Joint Venture. We've also got funding from the Great Lakes Fish and Wildlife Restoration Act, another funding source. And then we have nonprofits like Linus Point Marsh Conservancy in Ohio and the Ten Ducks Unlimited. Our funding comes from lots of different avenues, uh, but mostly private sources, you know, through our event-based fundraising system and then also a lot of major donors that contribute to projects like these. So when you're contributing at a banquet, a little bit of your funding is going to helping projects like this. So the project started in 2021. You've got a couple of years of data under your belt. Is there any preliminary results that you can speak to yet, John? Yeah, it seems like these birds don't move a whole lot. You know, we're catching these birds during the breeding period, and that was the goal of this project, to get these birds on breeding areas in the five Great Lakes states here that we're operating in. Come fall migration, they're not moving all that much. 
We're not seeing as much movement from birds that we're marking in urban locations. And that, that might not be too surprising because mm-hmm. there are some parks and hand feeding and, you know, river systems and large bodies of water that are open. You know, we're seeing, we had a pretty mild winter this year. So birds are moving about as far south as they need to. And in fact, this last winter when we had that big storm right around Christmas time, our birds pretty much sat tight through that. But about as far south of these birds have been moving as to southern Illinois or another uh, northern Kentucky. We did have a couple birds migrate over towards Chesapeake Bay. We had one uh, end up in Pennsylvania and another one in Maryland. We've also been drawing blood from these hens to look at genetic analyses and, again, looking for that game farm mallard kind of signature. And we're seeing some pretty surprising results there. You know, overall, for all the hens that we've marked, about 59% of them are showing those game farm genes, so they're hybrids. And only about 41% are pure wild strain mallards. And when you look at the urban birds in particular, Sure. It's not surprising that the signature there is much, much higher. You have about 78% of those are showing a hybrid genotype and about 22% are wild. Very interesting. Now we don't, again, don't know if that's having any kind of effect on the bird's behavior or their ability to reproduce or survive. So that's something that, that'll be interesting to look at with this data, you know, as comparing and contrasting survival amongst those birds with that strong game farm genotype and the wild strain birds to see if there are any differences. It's disturbing to hear because anytime <clears throat> we see hybridization of, a, of an animal with domestic stock, I don't care what it is, the further you get from, you know, really pure wild strains, I'm thinking of pheasants perhaps, it seems like the less resilient they are, the less uh, able they are to handle a tough environment which uh, that we have up here in the Great Lakes. Yeah, and this genetic makeup thing, this game farm mallard gene thing, is not limited to Great Lakes mallards. There's a strong signature in the east as well with eastern mm-hmm. mallards, and that's kind of the northeast U.S. There is ongoing research at the University of Texas, El Paso. Dr. Phil Lebretsky is looking into this more holistically across mallard populations across the continent. And mm-hmm. so you know, sampling birds from the mid-continent, from the prey pothole region, to see if that signature is there as well. Well, John, thanks for spending a segment with me here. Uh, We will follow up in Outdoor News uh, with some more stories about this uh, this year and next year. The the research will be wrapping up, what, in the next couple of years or whenever whenever these transmitters finally go kaput? Yeah, you know, we'll probably get another two years of data out of these birds from this year that we're putting on. And then Ben Lucan and our Ph.D. student at Michigan State University will be wrapping up his degree program, have to write up his dissertation and start working on publications. So, yeah, at least a two, three-year process yet. Well, it's fascinating. Thanks for all you do. Folks want more information about what's cooking there at Ducks Unlimited? It's ducks.org, I believe, correct? That is correct. Awesome. Well, John, thanks for joining us. Uh, John Colusi, he's the Director of Conservation Planning for the Great Lakes Region for Ducks Unlimited. Thanks for spending a segment with me, and, and good luck this spring with the research. Thank you, Rob, and appreciate uh, you having me this morning. That was Rob Dreesline, publisher and managing editor of the Outdoor News Publications and host of Outdoor News Radio in Minnesota, interviewing John Colusi of Ducks Unlimited. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Castle Rock and Petenwell are two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes. With more than 60 square miles of water, they offer four seasons of outdoor fun. Halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago, and just minutes from Wisconsin Rapids and the Dells, you'll enjoy family-friendly resorts and campgrounds, great fishing, bike trails, county, state, and national parks, and the Nesita National Wildlife Refuge. Learn more at castlerock-petenwell.com or on Facebook at Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association. Flow has made world-class recreational and utility trailers for 40 years, and the industry-leading innovations keep on coming. Choose an all-aluminum UT model or Cargo Max, the only utility trailer with a molded polymer bed, integrated sides, and an engineered aluminum frame. With either one, you'll know you don't have just any old trailer. If a new trailer is on your mind, check out floeintl.com. Flow trailers, where the rubber meets the road. Are you looking for that perfect Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of unclouded public land with 160 plus miles of beautiful ATV UTV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to explore, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to ExploreFlorenceCounty.com and plan your trip today. 
Attention all anglers. Stay ahead of the crowds with the most up-to-date and accurate fishing reports from around the region with OutdoorNews.com. Complete with lake maps and reports, gear reviews, and pro tips, it's the nation's top site for modern anglers. During the month of May, you can get 50% off any membership to OutdoorNews.com and never miss the best fishing info again. Just use the code MAY23 at checkout to instantly up your fishing game. Visit OutdoorNews.com today. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The rough grouse in American woodcock societies have been improving habitat for grouse, woodcock, and other forest wildlife for more than 60 years. And you can learn more or join RGS at RuffedGrouseSociety.org. And joining me now from northern Wisconsin is John Steigerwall. He is the Great Lakes and Upper Midwest Forest Conservation Director for the Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies. John, welcome back and thanks for joining us again. Good to be back once again. Now, we mentioned last time that you had hired two, or you were in the process of hiring two new staff members. Are they on the ground and working now? They are. Through a cooperative agreement with the Wisconsin DNR, RGS and AWS hired two forest habitat biologists, one located out of Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and the other one located out of Hayward, Wisconsin. If you're a private landowner working in the state of Wisconsin, these individuals will be working through the Deer Management Assistance Program with the Wisconsin DNR, as well as working on county, state, and federal lands through our agreement. And what will they be doing? big part about the, the DMAP program will be planning and assisting landowners to implement their management plans for deer habitat. You might be questioning why deer habitat, we're the rough grouse society, but of course good quality rough grouse habitat is deer habitat. Sure. You know, there are many habitat elements that are definitely um, transferable between those species as far as browse cover, escape cover, you know, that's young forest habitat that rough grouse and American woodcock utilize. So there's a lot of cross-benefits being able to work with that deer management assistance program. And then uh, on the public land side, looking to help implement various projects, whether grant-funded projects, local projects, engaging our members, and and so on and so forth on state wildlife areas, county forests, and uh, national forests, assisting with the the Good Neighbor Authority uh, program. So as far as private landowners are concerned, if they want some help with habitat development and might use the services of these two people, who do they get in touch with? Is that through DNR? Through DNR, Jim Woodford is habitat biologist out of Rhinelander, and Sam Lau is our habitat biologist out of uh, Hayward, Wisconsin. Of course, their contact information can be found on the Great Lakes landing page on the Rough Grouse Society website. They'll be working primarily through the Deer Management Assistance Program, or DMAP, but we do have other private land positions in the state of Wisconsin. We have a position out of Spooner, Wisconsin, Canago, Wisconsin, and Whitehall, Wisconsin, that also work on private lands across programs. So if there's not necessarily something that relates to you through deer management, or that's not your bailiwick, we have several other staff that can work through a multitude of programs, including the Managed Forest Law Program, NRCS programs through Natural Resources Conservation Service, as well as just providing any sort of technical assistance. And contact info for all of them is on the roughgrousesociety.org website. Yep, you can navigate to our Great Lakes landing page and, and scroll down and find their contact information. Wonderful. Well, let's talk about the birds. Now, you guys had plenty of snow up north. We got a lot down here, but you had some late snow during April, and I don't think anything in May yet, unless you got some the other day. Might the impact be of that snow on the birds? Yeah, de- definitely winter here did not want to go. It, it, it just kept hanging on. That snow we got was pretty diffuse and impacted 
differentially across the landscape. You know, not widespread storms, it didn't seem like we had, but maybe very localized events in some cases. You know, several weeks ago, I was driving through Price County and, and saw some woodcock on the road because uh, that was the only place that was snow-free, and they were able to actually survive those, those events, that snow event that came kind of late in the season, unexpectedly. You know, it, it was kind of a bad timing of snow. We had a, a brief warm-up period across a lot of northern Wisconsin, and I think that got a lot of woodcock to finish their migration route north. Uh, however, when we got that snow, you know, some of the impacts we could have seen were just birds being exposed to the element. You likely saw birds hunkering down in areas dominated by conifers, cedar swamps, balsam fir, white pine areas. But this just kind of points to the importance of diverse forest habitats, you know, especially thinking under the umbrella of climate change. They see and expect weather events like this impacting outside of sort of the norm, what we expect during the winter months, early spring months. And having diverse forest habitats can be a climate adaptation strategy or develop resilience to climate change where we have diverse forests, especially for wildlife. If we have aspen stands that our forest managers are recommending for regenerating harvest to create good young forest habitat for wildlife, some of the recommendations might be to actually incorporate conifer into those new areas of young forest help provide some of that cover for these type of snow events and provide areas that birds can better thermal regulate their body and escape that exposure when those those events happen. Areas that are a little bit better for birds than the middle of the road. Absolutely. Managing habitat to provide those different types of cover where it doesn't exist now will certainly help in the future, but for those birds that came back and are here now, do you think the snow would have a lasting impact on them? I think those effects are yet to be seen, but it's, it's definitely something that we're a little bit concerned about. Those birds coming back during that time frame, right when we got those snow events, definitely there were some disruptions to the mating cycle. However, I am happy to report that from the field, been hearing reports of woodcock on nests and even young woodcock. Oh, good. So we're not in any sort of dire situation created by these late snowfalls this year. Birds are they're wild animals. They're still pretty resilient and adaptable. But still, when we focus on managed habitat, it's how can we give them the best leg up? It's definitely creating diverse and healthy habitats for them. But again, those effects are yet to be seen. Likely, we'll survive it and get through it. Yeah, well, good. Now, grouse are nesting this time of year, too. I wonder if any grouse nests might have been impacted by snow. I think it was a little bit early for the rough grouse when a lot of snow came down. It would have impacted any rough grouse. Of course, both rough grouse and American woodcock, they do have the ability to re-nest if there is a nest failure. They're fairly resilient birds. I wouldn't be totally concerned about the effects this mating season going into what the bird numbers look like this fall. All right. Well, anything else you want to share with our listeners before we let you go? If you're interested in learning more about the Rough Grouse Society, uh, again, go to our website, roughgrousesociety.org. All right. Well, John, thank you very much, and enjoy the spring weather while it's warming up. That was John Steigerwald, Great Lakes and Upper Midwest Forest Conservation Director for the Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies. As we mentioned, you can contact him and the other staffers and learn more about all the programs of the Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies at roughgrousesociety.org. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Castle Rock and Petenwell are two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes. With more than 60 square miles of water, they offer four seasons of outdoor fun. Halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago, and just minutes from Wisconsin Rapids and the Dells, you'll enjoy family-friendly resorts and campgrounds, great fishing, bike trails, county, state, and national parks, and the Nesita National Wildlife Refuge. Learn more at castlerock-petenwell.com or on Facebook at Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association. Flow has made world-class recreational and utility trailers for 40 years, and the industry-leading innovations keep on coming. Choose an all-aluminum UT model or Cargo Max, the only utility trailer with a molded polymer bed, integrated sides, and an engineered aluminum frame. With either one, you'll know you don't have just any old trailer. If a new trailer is on your mind, check out floeintl.com. Flow trailers, where the rubber meets the road. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife. 
including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Jeff Helm. We're brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com. And the folks at Cedar Lake Sales remind us that the uh, Coast Guard personnel will be on hand next Saturday, May 13th, for boat safety checks. You can call Tracy at Cedar Lake Sales to reserve a spot. And Crestliner is offering up to $2,500 instant cash back on new Crestliner Fishhawk, Superhawk, and Visions models through May 29th. Check out Cedar Lake Sales website or their Facebook page for details. We're also brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. The B, the big uh, DU Expo is going on this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Learn more at DuckExpo.com. We're also brought to you by the Castle Rock and Petenwell Lakes Association, 60 square miles of fun on the water, CastleRock-Petenwell.com, and by Woodside Ranch, uh, and, uh, Woodside Ranch Resort and Conference Center at WoodsideRanch.com. Well, Jeff, it's reassuring to have so many great sponsors, as you know. They help keep us on the air and on the Internet. And speaking of on the air, if our TV show Outdoor Wisconsin is not airing where you live, you can watch past episodes at MilwaukeePBS.org and, of course, last year's Deer Hunt Wisconsin show and several shows from previous years are archived on the Deer Hunt Wisconsin TV YouTube channel. And I'll put a link to it on my Facebook page. And you can always check out the radio show online as well. Download it and take it with you. Uh, we're on Lake Link. Go to lake-link.com. Go to the Outdoor Radio page and download the show. You can also check us out on the Outdoor News website, outdoornews.com slash podcast. You can find Dan on social media at Dan Small Outdoors and find me at Hardwater Jeff. And, folks, if you are thinking about buying a Hungarian Vishla, if you've ever had that thought, a friend of mine, Scott Paulin, has a litter of AKC-registered pups with championship bloodline and pedigree from the bloodline of KC Touchdown Guy. That's the dog with the most field trial wins of any Vishla ever. The pups were born on February 21st, and as of our recording date, which right now is Thursday morning, he had just two females left, so if you want one, you better act fast. The price is $1,500. You can call Scott at 920-948-6969 or message me on Facebook at Dan Small Outdoors, or you can email dsoradio at gmail.com. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I'll be hosting a group at Ballard's Black Island Resort on Lake of the Woods now that Canada has opened back up to American visitors. We'll be there September 11th through the 15th. We'll spend four nights on Black Island with three days of guided fishing for walleyes, bass, northerns, muskies, and panfish. Everything's included. Guides, boats, bait, tackle, lodging, and some great meals. And we'll enjoy shore lunches of fresh walleye that we catch each morning. The trip is limited to just 13 guests, including me and my son John, and it could fill fast. The cost is $1,500 per person, and I just learned this week that some friends from Stormy Cromer will be joining us, and they'll bring some Stormy Cromer gifts for everyone. So the trip just keeps getting better. Visit blackisland.com to learn more or to reserve a spot. The deadline to sign up is May 31st, so don't delay if you're interested. Our theme music is by Warren Nelson. Warren and Friends will present a series of concerts this spring. His next one is May 20th at the Harborview Event Center in Washburn. For more events, visit warrennelson.com and click on the media page. I'm Dan Small. I'm here with Jeff Kelm. Remember, this is opening weekend, and it's the first time out for a lot of us, including me. So be patient and courteous at the boat landings. Officials still be there if you have to launch a little later than you want to. Well, Jeff, you have a great tournament this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Dan. And you bet. And folks, get outside, get fishing this weekend, and be sure to join us next week for Outdoors Radio. Oh, how I love leaving the shore behind. When the cool night swallows the moose's nose and the heron 
is fishing on one cold leg when the loon cries lover in the blue north wind I'll be trolling home to you when my wrist gets a little chilly on the gunnel when my lazy Ike is just too lazy to lure when the worms go dry in the coffee can honey I'll be trolling 